Welcome to another episode of Tog and Log. So this was a little bit more of a surprise episode, like I mentioned from the episode prior to, that I'm going to try to post once a month. But looking over to what I just recently bought about a month ago or so, and it's been more on my mind more than anything. And I have actually had a blog post about a couple of years ago with this camera, this point and shoot camera that has been with me for almost every single day anywhere that I go. And I've been loving this camera for what it is and for my own needs that I just personally want to share. But this blog post that I had from a couple years ago, it was called An Old Beater Beats a Bare Hand. And you can find this blog post on dkimg.com backslash an old beater beats a bare hand. No hyphens whatsoever. So basically the synopsis or the overview of this whole blog post was saying that it's just better to have a tool handy and ready for those moments that you just want to snap something significant for you. And I find this very, very true. So basically, you know, the overall obstacle that I've found with myself personally along my photographic journey is the fact that I just love, you know, buying so many cameras and so many different cameras. But for the most part, I've always bought cameras that were either too expensive or they're just very new or like new or in great condition. And mind you, any film camera that you almost buy nowadays, you don't even see them new anymore. So they're becoming more and more rare. The resources and materials for these um, camera parts and stuff, if you need to repair them or if a technician needs to repair it, is very hard to find and come by. So there's just a lot of situations where I just want to come out and I just want to shoot some random shots or, you know, I want to have a certain situation if I go out to like a bar or an event or have a random photo shoot or be around friends and family. I just want to have something handy, small, portable, right with me at all times, take it out, take a picture and then be done with it without really thinking too hard into you know, light meters and being too technical and stuff of that nature. So I just really, really loved, you know, a point and shoot camera. And, you know, for a while I had like the Leica camera, a Leica point and shoot camera and a different type of Fuji point and shoot camera, which were rather expensive. And now they're even more expensive, but I've always hated having something very valuable and new and nice into like my pocket or my bag or something of that nature. And for the most part, doing my research with with like a CM cameras, you know, if they were uh, um, not working for a certain reason, it was due to maybe like a certain plastic or something inside the camera that needed to be replaced. And it was super hard to, to find someone to actually do that. I think I found someone that was able to do it. It was one like their own kind of plastics that they made, maybe from like a 3D printer. But even so, just to find someone to actually do those kind of repairs is very far and few. So to make a long story short, um, you know, I ventured into finding maybe a cheaper camera. I ended up selling my Leica CM and my other Fuji point and shoot cameras. I had a little cycle for a little cycle that just, you know, wanting to find something that was very valuable, but something that was very good quality wise. And it was in a smaller point um, and shoot form factor. But after long extensive research, I found this Fuji TR camera. It was very surprising the way that it looked. I thought it was very cool. It was just fast enough for my needs. And I felt like everything that I ever wanted in a small point shoot camera, this was something that just summed it up and worked for me. So without a doubt, I'm going to you know, read over this blog post because I thought it was well written at the time that I've actually written it a couple years ago. And I'm going to give my own little aesthetic flair afterwards after a couple years. And uh, this will be the episode for today. So without a doubt, thanks for um, listening and uh, stay tuned. So here we go.
So jumping into this blog post, an old beater beats a bear hands. I always like to start off with the blog post with a personal note, which gives the synopsis of what um, I'll be talking about within the blog post itself. So when it comes to secondhand analog equipment, I've always been conscious of the overall condition of a camera, preferably the cosmetic condition. This is the first telltale sign and it gives you the insight into how well used or maintained a camera was in its past, no different than a classic car. Mileage may vary, but the cosmetic maintenance of something can be a telling tale of how originally it's been cared for. Though this past year or so I've been ventured into this whole notion of owning a piece of well-used equipment for so for those occasions that I felt like of not wanting to bring out a clean camera especially the beachy, salty weather conditions in South Florida, or worrying about something that's being too expensive. All in all, it's all about taking photos or documenting a moment, and any tool that's holding you back because of its value or devaluing you, uh, your personal growth is not a good thing. So that's my just personal opinion, but yes, that is um, what was my dilemma. So revisiting why your camera doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. What really comes down to is understanding that your camera is merely a tool that helps you capture what you want to perceive. In this day and age, a portion of the analog film community has developed a trend of obsessing cameras that can enhance your picture taking experience with great ease or higher quality. In all honesty, it has held us back from what's really important, but rather people are focusing on gear accusation and obsessing over the next best camera to invest in. Taking photos for the sake of taking photos is something that needs to be developed over time as a creative because it has the potential to point out your own flaws and techniques which can be worked on and developed over your period of time with your photographic journey. I'll admit it's been easy to fall into this vicious cycle of GAS, which is the acronym of Gear Accusation Syndrome, and is not the art of photography. Gas is described as a condition that some people have which causes them to want to purchase new camera gear even though their current camera setup is perfectly good. It must be noted that this is not a legitimate metal condition, <laughs> but of course it's just nonsense talk. But definitely it's been something that's been spoken about often more than usual has been developed over within the time of this film community. So photographers up to a certain point will feel perfectly happy with their current setup and the photos that they've been taking with it. But now all of a sudden it seems very unsuitable when they see something newer or better to them, something like more shiny. I've explored and bought so many different types of camera lenses and camera accessories in the past thinking it may help me with something specific. In some cases it has, has helped me, but the idea of having more cameras for overlapping needs has had cameras sit over time, which in this turn has left me wondering, which camera shall I take out today? Having all these different options and questions in the beginning has led me more sidetracked to what's really important. So at times, too many options were very hindering. An old beater liberates when all else seems to fail with your photographic routine and understanding. What I've been realizing year by year are photo companies pushing their marketing stigma of technological improvements in cameras such as lens sharpness, corner-to-corner -corner sharpness, chroma aberration, etc., etc., etc. For decades, these marketing terms shifted our ways of perceiving an image and can and has confused many creatives by asking whether needing this new feature or tech can enhance or reach the next level of imagery or success. We've been caught up on what seems to be the best for our imagery, and in some cases it does matter by the, by the buzzwords being thrown at us, but there are things that are not discarded from the marketing spiels that shouldn't be discarded from our own artistic vision and vocabulary. 
from analyzing published books to online searches of known photographers and artists of our past, some images that are technically incorrect have been iconic. This acceptance from past artists and photographers has led me to understand that it's per- it's perfectly okay to have images that aren't in focus or tack sharp from edge to edge to our frame. Accepting these things from our understanding, it's perfectly okay to explore these imperfections as it can lead us to something very unique and liberating from our creative souls. During the mid-2018, I've written down a goal to pursue the art of capturing, which defines my needs to capture what feels right in the moment and being completely okay with how some of the images come out, and not discard the images because it's technically inferior to what is accepted from social media. With this goal in mind, has led me to explore other camera options that aren't perfect in their own merits, but functions enough to capture an image onto a frame. This has led me to finding the Fuji TR Pocket Camera for $30, mind you. This camera has served my purpose of taking photos wherever I take it, and if I didn't set this new goal and idea, I probably wouldn't have as many photos taken with this camera, as well as not having a camera on hand at all times. Why this little Fuji beater camera? It took me a while to realize that I just wanted a small form factor camera, something pocketable, something simple. I was looking for a camera that had a decent wide angle lens with a decent aperture for the moments where I needed it most. My challenge was finding a camera that hasn't been sought after from social media stuff or YouTube content creation and is within a reasonable budget, so I subsetted a $100 price point. After doing extensive research and reviews of alternatives to cameras that I used to own and love like the Leica CM and the Rolly AMF35, I stumbled upon the Fuji DL Super Mini TR camera, the first of its models. This camera seems to have everything I was looking for coming from a quote-unquote luxury compact camera and being somewhat of a budget camera, roughly $200 on eBay in 2018. I wasn't entirely satisfied with the current price of the camera, so I kept my eye out for one that was fully functioning for a better price, and luckily enough, I stumbled upon a Fuji TR camera from Japan through an eBay listing. I negotiated for a lower price upon seeing for what it was listed for, which I believe was about $100 to $120, and after a few back and forth with offerings and messages, I won this little gem. I took the risk of buying this camera as the seller mentioned that it couldn't be tested due to silly excuses and super low price to sell reasoning. But I was really happy and amazed after reviewing the first roll that I developed. And after this hump, I can surely say that I felt more comfortable carrying this camera anywhere in my pocket instead of carrying a $600 or even a $1,500 pocket camera with me. And granted, those were the prices in 2018. As you may or may not know, these point-and-shoot cameras can fail. Mind you that these rare pocket cameras are getting harder and harder to repair due to the lack of resources and materials. Even though this Fuji Tierra camera has no front cover, no battery door, broken back pieces, dents, scratches, and imperfections, it works as it should. To give it an aesthetic flair, I wrapped a carbon fiber vinyl around the side so the battery can stay in place during its use and travel. But beyond that, I just made sure that I had a small enough pin or a pen to move the door hinge metal piece from opening the slot so the camera can actually turn on and off. The rest is a matter of composing and taking my images. Encouraging you to explore. Find your one camera that you don't care about losing if in the end it ends up lost, stolen, or failed unexpectedly. 
challenge yourself to find a camera that may be limiting compared to what you're used to shooting. As a creative, a simple tool like this Fuji TR camera that I own kept my mind focused, finding images to capture even when I know it may not be technically perfect. The moment counts most and recording a frame that personally fulfills you during the moment is needed, especially afterwards as you can critique your own work and self-reflect to see what you decided to shoot and what you shot. This gives you more of an opportunity to explore the ways of what you shoot certain things or subjects or even the environment. Having a visual representation of that moment recorded in a frame is nice to refer back to when you want to recall something. This way, the more images you capture, the more your mind will open up to the possibilities of what you're drawn to as a creative and how it can influence you personally and professionally. Some restrictions can help you explore new boundaries and adventures, so I definitely encourage you to step out of your own comfort and find something that works for you. And this pretty much ends you know, the blog post that I have about this camera, which I definitely, definitely agree up to this day actually having this camera for a couple of years. And like I mentioned now, you know, purchasing the second one for it not working after everything that has happened to it, you know, it has at least given me a little bit more of a revival of using this camera more and more on a daily basis, even though things have been skyrocketing a little bit with film prices. But for the most part, you know, it's still fun to have something that you can, can continuously shoot and just to see what you captured and it, it just keeps your mind sharp and focused because sometimes when you don't do certain things for a long period of time, you tend to lose like certain routines or habits or ways of just doing certain things, which can keep your mind very sharp and focused when you actually deliver those uh, projects or your creative endeavors. So without a doubt, you know, having something like this just keeps you keeps your muscle memories moving and rolling, just no different than like when you work out. But it's also good to have certain things in the mix of like trying different subjects or different topics or give yourself a certain project to shoot and give yourself this camera, for example, or a camera of your choice to go out and actually shoot just to see what your mind would do and how you would approach a certain subject or a project away with, with this type of tool in hand. So without a doubt, this is something that's been really, really liberating for me. And I just now love having this kind of camera with me at all times because like I said, it is so small. It's very pocketable. It, it just works so, so well in my case when it comes to actually, you know, taking photos when I want to, when I'm out in the bar with the friends and, or like small projects or even with family or friends, or even during photo shoots where I feel like if I want to mix something up with a model, or with certain subjects, I may just take it out, you know, burn like a couple frames or even go through the whole roll just to see how things move and roll. And this gives me a good judgment of like using a, a camera that slows me down a little bit more as opposed to something that makes me shoot a lot quicker and, and just to see the response I get from, you know, the the subject or or the person that I'm photographing. So, but yeah, without a doubt, just the way that this camera works and operates for me personally, I just love it, especially for black and whites. I think the way that this camera works is really, really well. And the fact of, you know, besides its couple quirks that it actually has, it works wonders. You know, I had the camera right in front of me as we're speaking here. You know, it fits in the palm of my hands. And, you know, the, the whole construction is uh, aluminum, I believe. And uh, yeah, you just pretty much open up the door. There we go. There's the sound of the camera um, as it turns on. And when you want to close it, you just push it right next to the lens and it goes, the lens protrudes back in and then you close up the camera and that is that. So it's a, like I mentioned, a 
um, 30 or no, it's a 28 millimeter lens, not a 35. Typically, sometimes point shoots are 35 millimeters, but this is a 28 millimeter lens. It's a 3.5 aperture lens. Granted, you know, one of those other reasons why I really wanted this camera too was that it had a slightly wider field of view. And when I used to have like the Leica camera, I wanted something that was a little bit wider. And I always loved and appreciate like a 24 to 28 millimeter where like a 35 millimeter lens, the focal length was just not wide enough. So that was one of the reasons where 28 millimeter was something that seemed very likable through my eyes. But I've I've owned and purchased so many different Fuji cameras in the past. I, I even have two right now with me. One of them being one of my very first cameras I've ever purchased, a film camera, which was the Fuji GX680. And all of those lenses had the super EBC um, lens lines. And those lenses are just very beautiful. They're pretty sharp. They render colors very well on the film and the tonalities that I get from it is really unique and I just personally love it so much. So again, it's just another reason why I picked up this Fujifilm camera because I know with this lens, it's going to be pretty good compared to, you know, what you would see that would be very popular and trendy as far as um, cameras go, which is usually like the Leica CM, the Contax T2, the T3, the Leica Mini Lux. Um, you have like the Nikon 28i and the 35i, and you have like the Olympus MJU, and I know I'm missing another one. Yeah, the Yushika, I think it's like the T4, the T3 or T2. Because if you couldn't find, it's like the poor man's contacts when it comes to the T2, T3, because it has the Zeiss um, lens, the coating. I think it's a Tessar lens. But still, like all of those cameras I listed, they're getting much more higher in price. But granted, you know, with this camera too, I'm not sure if the popularity of this camera is also going up. But just from recent research with this camera, I've been seeing how it's going to be averaging about 250-ish to 350, depending on the condition and the accessories. So it's it's getting up there as well too. But for the price that I purchased with this, which I think is about 90 bucks at the end of the day, because it was about 40 bucks for the first time in Japan's listing. And then it was about 50 bucks, a little bit less, but about 50 bucks for the second one where I replaced the housing eventually into the first body. So now it looks like it's a more decently cosmetic looking Fuji camera, but yes, without a doubt, it looks a lot better. <laughs> Even has a battery door, but it doesn't have like the hinge to close it, close it. So I still have to put a piece of tape on it, which is a little tacky, but a lot better considering what it was before. But um, going back to it, like I said, 28 millimeter F3.5 lens, that's a staple Fuji EBC lens um, with its coating, which is great. On the back of the camera, you have the um, digital LCD monitor. It gives you the frame counts because it actually loads the film backwards. So you start from a 36 count and it goes or 24, depending on the, the amount of frames you have in the roll. Then it counts down to like 35, 34, down to zero, and then it's done. It will wind up the camera. So without that, it has also the battery signal as well too. So it lets you know um, if your battery is fully charged or if it's uh, halfway or or it's about to die. And then it has a couple hyphens here for like the dates. But moving below that, you have a, um, four different buttons. You have a date, a mode, a select, a selection, and a set button. And then to the right of that, you have the rewind button if you end up wanting to rewind the film using like a needle or so, like midway. And there's a little... I don't, I don't want to say a trick, but there's a little known thing that you need to know about this camera too, amongst the other little quirky things about it. So jumping into the first 
button is the date. So you can set the dates to be imprinted in your frames here, which is an old feature that used to be sold quite a bit and handy for these point shoot cameras. And then the next button, which is your mode. So when you click on the mode, let me turn on the camera again. You can um, have the red eye removal for the flash. You have a no flash option, and then you have a backlight or backlit setting. So it actually underexposes or overexposes your film by two stops. So if you have a HP5 film, for example, 400 speed film, and if you set it this way, it brings down exposure to, actually, I think it's one stop. I could be wrong. I need to double check that, but it, it brings it down to like 200 or 100 speed. So in those situations where it's backlit, you can use this setting and it'll properly expose your film that way, depending on how it is. And then the next one you have is like a night mode. And that is something that helps you during the evening with the flash. And that is it. And then the next button you have is a selection, but on top of it says focus. So you can kind of preset the focus between like a mountain or infinity, or if you click it again, it gives you certain um, numbers itself. So like pre-focus numbers, which is 0.35 meters. Um, you could do snap and a few other random things as well too. And then the very last thing you have is a self-timer mode. So you have a one second, two second, three seconds, and um, that is that. So with this set in, in place, it's very interesting. Like I said, going back to the focusing thing, once you push selection, you can go 0 0.4, 0 0.5, um, 0 0.45, um, 0 0.67, 0 0.8, 0.9, 1 meter, point, boy, it goes in, into these crazy increments, but I don't usually do something like this. So, And that is pretty much it. Like There's nothing else to this camera besides that. You do have a panoramic option which simply puts like these black frames into your negative. So it looks like the image is a lot wider than what it really is. I don't think it's really necessary. You can actually do that in post. You can crop uh, an image to make it a little bit more narrow. So it has that panoramic kind of look and feel, but that's about it. But one of the quirks about this camera is that when you do like the no flash mode, actually the no flash mode, it, it stays in that mode. But if you do like the backlit mode, it, after the one frame that you shoot, it goes back and resets to the default mode that it has. So if you keep on wanting to shoot backlit stuff on five or six frames, my God, you just need to uh, keep pushing that button after every picture. And sometimes it may happen that way with the flash as well too, like the no flash thing. It keeps resetting. But like I said, this camera is not perfect by any means, but for what it is, it's... um. I, I I just love it, man. I love it for the price point that I got it for. When you put it in the film, you want to make sure that the film tab is pushed all the way to the right, just so when you close the film, it can censor the film tab and then it automatically loads the film and then automatically winds the film once it's done. Now, and like the, the one situation that I want to point out too, if you're midway during your roll, you decide you don't want to shoot with this film anymore, you can rewind the film by pushing um, the rewind button. Again, you need like a pin or something very, very small to do that. But the catch is that the, the camera winds up the film completely and then the film lead itself gets into the, the, the capsule and you can't use the film again in the future, so to speak. But what I tend to do is I kind of listen to it. Like once it's down to 
like the zero counting frame, I actually open up the film back door and it stops the film from winding. And in that case, I can then put the film back into my bag. I can just write a note like I'm on frame number 15. And then if I want to use the film again in the future, I can put the film back in. It'll count down. I'll, you know, cover up the the lens or something and make sure like, you know, the the camera is not, you know, exposing, overexposing or not double exposing. That's what it is. And basically, uh, I can count back down to where the film needs to continue to be shot at and uh, go from there. So, but yeah, overall, I, like I said, I love this camera. There's a lot of similar, similar cameras out there. You can do your research. You can find stuff that is, you know, um, less easily less than a hundred dollars. You can find stuff for $20, 30, 40, $50. It really depends. But like I said, maybe another episode, I'll talk about maybe the differences a little bit with point and shoot cameras and disposable cameras. I did talk about in the last episode, just a little bit, uh, with the news of Kodak with 400 TX film being introduced into their disposable cameras. But I think without a doubt, a point and shoot camera are more fun to use than a disposable camera. And that's my personal opinion, but it gives you options to put in um, different types of film and you can have a little bit more options as far as um, the way that you shoot on in in simplistic terms. And you have a lens that's a little bit more capable for quality and tonality than a disposable camera. So, um, but yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I'll definitely create maybe a video of this to show other examples of images taken with this camera. And we can go from there. We can do maybe a, a comparison between a disposable camera, a point and shoot camera, and then a Leica camera with a Zeiss lens that is a lot more modernized than what you see in these point and shoot cameras. And we can see them side by size, side by side, and and yeah, and just see how it looks. So but all in all, guys, thank you for listening. That is basically the short episode for Tog and Log, episode number three. And uh, I'll see what I can do for the month of January as far as content goes and what stuff I can talk about. Um, in terms of photography and, uh, and go from there. So thanks for listening. Until next time, thanks.